Hello, welcome to Blaze Pod. It is Wednesday, the 20th of November. My name is Ben, and I'm joined, as always, by Andrew. How you doing, pal? I'm doing well, mate. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, it occurs to me that I'll probably start every one of these by going, like, I hate international football, but I do, <laughs> do actually not enjoy the international breaks. Unfortunately, uh, our, our boys in green, the Blades in green, I suppose, uh, couldn't get the job done against uh, against Denmark, but they're into the playoffs at least. So yeah, I, mean, I didn't realise that actually. I thought it would literally make or break. So I'm sure they finished bottom of the nation. I can't work out how who gets in the playoffs and how. To be completely honest, but mm. I'm sure they finished bottom of the nation's league group. But anyway, good yeah. luck to them. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, I missed the game over out obviously Monday night. I didn't see it, but um, I heard they were pretty. What's what's the? Not much lackluster, but not really much attacking threat were they by the sounds. They, it, it was weird. I'll just give you a quick thirty seconds on it, I suppose, because obviously they had um, had four blades on the pitch at yeah. various points. They, they Denmark were not really an attacking threat at all. It was almost like they—I wouldn't say they were like ultra defensive playing for a draw, but Ireland were really conservative. I mean, starting McGoldrick up front on his own is like just just a waste of his abilities. I mean, he can do yeah. that, but you know, he's, he's, you're asking him to do that and also to be the link man as well. So when he finally got some support from about 70 minutes onwards, when obviously there were a goal down, uh, he was able to like really drop a lot deeper and, and knit it together. And, you know, Stevens is playing as a, I'd say a much more orthodox left back. So he's not getting forward anywhere near as much. The, the one time he did, he sets up Ireland's goal. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a hundred percent on Mick McCarthy as a, Modern footballing manager is more just a <laughs> just a man. But they got the good views on that. I got. I don't know if you read the Island View from. Um, I did, yeah. But yeah, they, they got good reviews. All of them, really. Even Robinson. You know, a couple of people said he looked lively when he came on, and Egan obviously only played the first half. But McGoldrick, I think everyone sort of realising just how good of a player he actually is. I remember when he first got into the Island squad, and everyone were like, sort of. David McGoldrick, he's he's too old. He's never done this, and now he's like, right, we need this guy fit every week if we've got a chance. Yeah, I think one of the one of the views was like uh, absolutely devastated that he's thirty one already or something like that. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, I mean, after about three minutes of that game, you know, he'd, he'd already done like a, a first time back heel flick to play in a teammate, and and Egan had steamed through a couple of Danish players to win some like massive headers. You know, like right here we yeah. go. But yeah, it wasn't to be. So hopefully, they can get it done in the uh, in the playoffs anyway. Um, but I ended up watching way more of that than England's two games this weekend. But... Yeah, I didn't watch England at all, actually. I, I, I had it on in the background as I was doing stuff. I just found it really dull at the moment. Because obviously they're already through. It's not England's fault. <laughs> yeah. They're already through and they're playing against really poor opposition. And you're thinking, well, well I don't think I'm going to gain anything from this, to be honest. So. No, probably not. I mean, I suppose the, the one uh, saving grace of Henderson and, say, O'Connell not playing is that they didn't have to go up against uh, New Who or whatever his name is from, from yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I didn't play yesterday, neither did I. I don't think he came on or anything. So. Oh, God, I forgot Scotland were even playing. Yeah, they won't be one. He definitely didn't start, uh, and he wasn't on by about the 60th minute, and then I completely forgot about it, to be honest, but I don't think he came on. <laughs> Forza international football, but it's it's uh, we're we're almost there. We're back in action this weekend. Um, but the theme of this week's pod, uh, and hopefully we can rattle along at a good old pace here. Uh, we put out a bit of a call on on Twitter and the last podcast as well. People send us anything that they want us to discuss or give some. I won't say insight, but <laughs> thoughts <No>. on us. <laughs> yeah, left left the insight at the door today. Um, we're going to try and do that, and I, I want to start with uh, a, a topic that um, I found very interesting and, uh, and fun to think about. 
So this is from uh, Dean Smith, again, not the Aston Villa manager um, from previous weeks, at least, I don't think so. We can't prove that, but yeah. Can't prove that. He certainly has a very strong interest in Sheffield United, though, which, <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's, he's angling for a future job when, um, when Wilder eventually joins Arsenal or Man United or whoever yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. Um, Every week, isn't it? Every, you know, he's, he's going in there. He was going to top them yesterday, weren't he? So. Yeah, I know. Port, uh, Spurs did not play along, did they? They very quickly appointed Mourinho and you know didn't, didn't play along with the uh, no. Wilder is now favourite for the Spurs job. <laughs> thing. Um, so yeah, this comes from Dean Smith, and he he points out quite uh, quite correctly that we are nearing the end of the decade. So a good opportunity to look back at some of the best and the worst of the last ten years. And um, all right, we still got what is it about six weeks to go of uh, of twenty nineteen. Although for for various reasons, I may not have time to actually <laughs> take care of this towards the end of the year. So we'll we'll do it now. I think it's a good opportunity. So a great place to start. And this is oh, starting on a bit, a bit of a bit of a down note, I suppose, but something that does uh, it does interest me. The worst Blades eleven of the twenty tens of this decade. Yeah. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. It? I'm ready. I'm not quite convinced that I've got. I'm sure you'll pick someone out, and I'll think I forgot about them. But there's a yeah, few. I'm, I've got all eleven here anyway. So yeah. So there's. Um. I. I mean, I just tweeted about it this afternoon, and I've tried not to read my replies too much and and have it kind of influence what <laughs> yeah. came to mind. So I haven't. Um. I haven't put any restrictions on this, or many restrictions, I should say. So loan players are included. What I have done is is put some um some added weighting on players who. I guess we're consistently terrible, but they kept playing. So, you know, I'm sure there's a few, like, less skilled players that you could put in this eleven who mm-hmm. only played, like, once or twice for us. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've put some added weight on players that, like, somehow just kept playing for us, even though they were, like, patently, obviously <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah. So, with apologies to uh, to Jasper Johns, he doesn't make yeah. this team because he only I, I, I was thinking him as well, but I, I think I only saw him play for like 20 minutes. I think he came on against MK Dons, booed yeah. ball out of play, then that were about that were his career over, I think. So. He's, he's the first player I think I thought of when somebody said, name your worst Blades 11. But then I was like, <laughs> yeah. but then when I think about it some more, I think there's others that deserve to be in here more because I'd seen more of them and they were so obviously terrible. Who knows? Maybe he you know, he didn't go on to have a good career, I think, at least according to his Wikipedia page. Um, see, there's a few younger players as well who never, I mean, hmm. I. I so I don't want to go jump ahead with you if you've got these, but I, I toggle with people like Joe Ironside and stuff. I just think they yeah. probably came in way too early. I think they were just probably they got thrown in basically because we were that awful, mm. <laughs> and it's probably not their fault. And it probably set them back a little bit actually. So I don't, I didn't really want to go for someone like that either. Yeah, Con- Connor DeMaio was another one. He's not yeah. in my team. I, I didn't really consider him, but he was. He's another example I think where I just everything I saw for him just looked terrible. And yeah, but then it's you know he was like eighteen or something I think when he so. And uh, yeah. I, guess, I guess the fact when well, he went to Chel- uh, Chesterfield in, and I, I, I don't know where he is now actually, um, no, probably yeah. not having a brilliant career. Let's have this up. So somebody the other day, um, and if you're listening, I apologise for shopping you with this, but they accused me of fake typing on the podcast. I'm not actually oh, really? looking people up. Yeah, which I can tell you is definitely not true. I am. You must I am, have some uh, knowledge if you're not typing it. <laughs> <laughs> you must have some good catalog actually. Yeah, Demaya went to Chesterfield and then Stockport, and he's now on loan at Ashton United, I believe. So, Anyway, right, let's, let's do the 11. So I've just done a straight 4-4-2. Like, forget the funky formations or anything like that. Just straight in. Go on, give me your, give me your goalkeeper. I've 4-3-3. Three, three. I'd just like to say that first, just because I thought we'd have more poor attackers. I just wanted to fit them all in, basically. That's, uh, that's a good way of doing it, actually. But yeah. I, I just went for simplicity in this case. But <laughs> let, let's see. So let's see what crossover we have. Who, who is your worst goalkeeper of the 2010s? I've gone for Steve Simonson. 
Have you gone the same, or have we got someone different? So I I ummed and ahed on this, because I think you make a case we've not had an outstandingly bad goalkeeper in this decade. My first thought was George Long, but then I was like, no, that's really harsh, because actually Mm. when he came into the team, he was very good. Um, and you know he was like seventeen, I and he's think. gone on to have a decent career as well. So gone on to have a decent career. He was like seventeen at that time, and I mean, there's a reason seventeen-year-old goalkeepers. There's not many of them playing yeah. first-team football. So I, I wrote that one off. Um, Mark Bunn is one of my least favourite United goalkeepers, but he only played a very small amount of this decade. I think we signed. Yeah, him. that's right. Because I, I did think of him, the the master of not being able to save long shots. I, I don't know how he, he were in Premier League a couple of years ago, weren't they? Yeah, you you put that so perfectly. That was exactly. <laughs> it was just like every time somebody shot, it was like, as a goal. I mean, why bother? <laughs> yes. it, it might as well just had a, a ghost in goal. It was just. It was. It was pointless. <laughs> and yeah, not good at all. But yeah, I, I think uh, I, I had those two. And then I had to plump for Simmonson. So he was there uh, when we got relegated from the championship. Um, he almost played 100 games for us, if you can believe it, across three seasons. Yeah, I, do, I remember him well. <laughs> <laughs> in my head, he was okay in the League One season. His one and only League One season, which is why he wasn't the first name to spring to mind. Um, and our defence was very good that year, I think, as well. So maybe he was kind of protected a bit. But so I'll, I'll disagree with that slightly because the reason, the main reason I've picked him is because he eventually, that season, he ended up getting dropped for George Long, who at the time was only 17. And I think if you're putting a youngster in like George, how bad are you playing when your your place is being taken by a 17-year-old kid in, in goal? Jeez, yeah, I didn't actually realise that was the same season. He was. George Long made, I think it was four errors against Exeter, where we drew four-four, and it just looked. Way, it just didn't look. It didn't look old enough, almost like <laughs> to be the goal, To be honest, in professional football, and then they brought him back in, and he he carried on making the you know the odd errors and things like that. I I could probably point to about six or seven major errors that season. He did. They were one against Leighton Orient, where he came running out of the goal and missed the cross. They were one against Wednesday where he didn't catch it. I think Gary Medine scored. Obviously, the penalty against Huddersfield is harsh. That his best game for us was probably the playoff final for all enough. Hmm. Yeah, he did make some saves in that one. I mean, it, yeah, the, the the thing that tips him over the edge for me is the the infamous penalty, which, yeah, is is a low moment just generally, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I suppose you could say like, how has it got to a stage where our goalkeeper is taking the blooming decisive penalty? I mean, God knows what the score was, but obviously we've gone through the yeah. entire gone through the entire team at that point. So you know, it'd been interesting because if he'd have scored, they'd have had to go back to the beginning. Which I think mm. our first penalty was Lee Williamson, who had already missed. So that'd have been quite interesting to see, like, his what his confidence levels would be like. Yeah, I've never seen a shootout where that happens actually. That's no, I've not. Never seen it. The, uh, definitely the closest I've seen in person. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm in agreement. Steve Simmonson in the sticks. I was not yep. not sad to see him go, and uh, yeah, don't look back on him particularly fondly. Um, so what have you you done? Four three three. Go on. What's your, who's uh, who've you got left back? Left back is Marcus Williams. Um, I clearly remember uh, for a, a good month where in home games we played on the left hand side with Matt Hill on, at left back and Williams as left wing back. Williams was really a left back, which is why I picked him in this. But that has got to be the least skillful left hand side to ever play for us. I like Matt Hill as a defender, but he wasn't great on the ball, was he? He wasn't like yeah. a he wasn't like an Ender Stevens sort of figure. And the only thing I can say about Williams is he, he was fairly quick because I. I don't think I ever saw him have a good game. No, I don't think so either. In fact, I think I saw him have a particularly terrible game at uh, Scunthorpe in League One uh, one year, where we I think it was might be the game we lost three one or something. Although it was really oh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah I do remember that yeah it was uh, it, oh. it, not good at all. Um, I, I had Marcus Williams as well actually. Um, 
Yeah, we there was definitely. I think I said this too. You know, there, there was like a phase where we had three left backs who, in my head, they're basically all the same. And Matt Hill, <laughs> Matt Hill was one of them. But actually, that is a bit harsh on Matt Hill because he did all right. I think I feel like Matt Hill was better at centre half. I thought, despite his size. Yeah, uh, yeah. he just wasn't very skillful. I think you can't play a passing game with Matt Hill as your left back. Jesus, <laughs> which is really harsh. And I hope he's not listening. I, I, you know, he messaged me actually on on Twitter a bit back asking if I wanted to get involved in his coffee business. So um, I don't want to like break burn any bridges with him. <laughs> Sorry, we, we need to uh, we need some more information on that. Yeah, it were, it were a while ago. Now he just said uh, hi if you're interested in. I don't know if we were asking to sponsor or I can't honestly can't remember a bit. He was basically advertising. He's got his own coffee business or he's involved in. It seemed like a bit of a pyramid scheme to be honest. But yeah, but yeah, I just. Um, politely refused <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to look get some more information on this no it's not they <laughs> that's not the Matthew Hill well we're going to have to come back to that Matthew Hill gives, he's got his own coffee company interesting yeah, carry on and I'll, uh, I'll look on Twitter <laughs> and speak to and I'll, I'll try and get the message out. anyway yes I'm in agreement with you Marcus Williams left back uh, and I, I couldn't actually remember what position Jasper Johns played but in my head it was left back So yeah, that's what I'd have said yeah, I think yeah. That. And another one that, that, that position I thought of was Sean McGinty he hardly played, did he? No, think... but it was another one of those signings where you're thinking, God, that's... <laughs> yeah, uh, so Williams played 28 league games for us across a couple of seasons, signed from Reading. Uh, we don't have a good record of signing players from Reading, I don't feel. Um, James Harper was another one. Uh, Glenn? No, Glenn Little can't come from Reading, surely. He was a, he was an actually a good player. Maybe yeah, I'm I, think he, I think he left by then. I've got the tweet up, by the way, from Matt Hill. Uh, it just says, hey, Matt here, excuse the random DM, looking for a business opportunity. If yes and over 18, please view my pinned tweet for info. When I remember clicking on it, we had some coffee thing that he were, he were involved in. So What a guy. Well, yeah. Matt, if, if you're listening, you didn't make it into our worst Blades 11 because we thought you were better than that. So if you want to yeah. hook us up with some coffee, then let's talk. Um Centre backs, <laughs> centre. This is an absolute horror show. Centre back. I mean, I think you could make a strong case. This is the worst of the worst positions. Yeah. Um, in this team, uh, number one for me, and, and a player I just uh, genuinely one of the worst players I've ever seen play football. Never mind play football for United. Nyron Nosworthy. Just, I just, I just sink a little bit every time I. I think about him to be honest. Whenever I ever yeah. see his name, it's like, oh no, it was so bad. Um, I didn't realize. I thought you were the first thing that came into my mind. I didn't. I have picked him, but he, I didn't realize he'd actually played in this decade. But he did just, play all the season. Yeah. Um, obviously, and then I think the best thing Mickey Adams did was send him back. <laughs> it's just he like epitomized uh, that sort of terrible about to get relegated from the Championship team for me. If I think yeah. we. Had, I think I went to a game, I think it was at Palace, and I think I would say at least three of our back four plus our goalkeeper were on loan, and he was one of them, and, and we lost. And it's just like, these players don't care about us. Like, what are they doing here? They're just going to bugger off back to their parents' clubs while we get relegated or whatever. And yeah, he was just a. I mean, bomb scare don't cover it really. I think he was just a, a terrible, terrible defender. Weirdly, he's a cult hero at Sunderland. They absolutely love him. They've got songs for him and everything. I think he's like one of those sort of people who comes back every now and again, you know, and, and goes on the pitch before games and stuff. And wow. Yeah, I always remember him stick. Uh, well, he did. He put the uh, the V signs up to our fans away at uh, Birmingham when we lost 4-2 after getting a lot of stick. 
Oh, I didn't well, know. Well, which that. obviously that's another reason he can uh, be in there as well. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm rubber stamping him in my team because of that. Yeah, he played, uh, he played 174 games for Gillingham, which I, I, do, I always remember him as a Gillingham player, and then, yeah, 100 games for Sunderland as well. So, yeah, he obviously somehow managed to have a, a fairly decent career. Well, to play play for Watford as well, straight from us, but... Yeah, he was, yeah. was abysmal for us. What, what about you? Who have you gone for? I've got the Nosworthy, and my other one is Danny Higginbottom. Oh, Yeah, and this is probably a personal thing, because I actually remember being really excited by this signing, which sounds ridiculous now, but I think we got him from Stoke, who were in the Premier League at the time. Mm. And he played well, he had a great career at top level and stuff. And then I remember going, I think the first game we played were at home to Yeovil, we lost 2-0, I think that's right. Mm. Uh, and he made his debut alongside Jamie Murphy and I think Barry Robson, another blast from the past and um he was i mean you say not just past his best but past it full stop he he was absolutely abysmal and then yeovil again in the uh the playoff semi-final the second leg i remember just watching him and thinking he, he i felt a bit sorry for him i think he were a great professional obviously a good player in his time but do you know when like a player just loses it mm. almost instantly that's what it seemed like had happened to danny higginbottom so that would probably it's probably a more personal thing because when we signed him our defense were a bit rocky and i was thinking that's a good signing that you know he's got premiership experience he's he's been in the prem for the last seven or eight years oh you're woeful <laughs> i don't remember much about him to be honest i mean obviously he's gone on to have a uh he's a co-commentator quite a lot with yeah. Sky, i think now isn't he? but yeah. um yeah yeah, just looking down his rap sheet now. So we we signed him in 2013. So we were heading into dark days, weren't we? At that sort of stage, it was the it, season Wilson got fired. Was it that one? Or was it the one? After? No, you're right. It was that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from there, he went to play for Chester and then Altrincham mm-hmm. and then retired. Do you know he's a, a, a Gibraltar international? Gibraltar is that what you call somebody? Yeah, from I did know that. Yeah, I remember that. Like, he, I think he made his debut at like 36 or whatever. 34. Yeah, it's right here. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously they made the um, obviously a new new nation in terms of football, aren't they? So yeah, yeah I remember him making his debut in that. So well, God help him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't make my team, and I'm I'm very surprised that you've not got this person. Um, mm. To the extent where I wonder if you've forgotten them. So my other centre back is one Jay McEverley. I did think of him. I didn't pick him because when he first came in on the cloth, I'm sure he had about five good games and I remember when he, he formed a partnership with Chris Basham at centre half for the beginning of the Clough's first season which wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination but I've seen worse it was really? yeah don't get me wrong it were awful it were ter- especially under Adkins where I think he got even mm. worse but I do remember for the first half of the season uh, it was Basham and McEvely at centre half and I was thinking that's our best pairing actually they, they were both fairly quick not like slow or anything like that and not too bad on the ball don't get me wrong I'm not saying he were a good player but I just think he had enough good games to not make my team yeah you're really not saying he was a good player <laughs> no I'm really not saying that at all no um yeah I, I just have a lot of bad memories about him the only good thing he did in a United shirt I think um was absolutely clattering that Coventry player, which <laughs> absolutely nothing against that Coventry player. It's just a, this is a comically bad bit of defending from a Kevin. That's another it? reason why I didn't put him in actually, because I, I still like watching that. I, <laughs> I do actually like that tackle, but like I say, he'd, he'd be on the bench, no doubt about it. But I just think that he had. A, I remember when he first came in, it was a really underwhelming signing. I remember, I do remember saying. He's actually not bad, and then he was bad. So. Mm, yes, he was bad. Uh, the the hand, the inexplicable handball against Spurs in the uh, 
Cup semi final. Um, yeah. Pretty sure he was part of the the meltdown defence uh, against Swindon as well in that five all game. Yeah, it will have been. Were it centre half with uh, Alcock? That uh, it may well have been. Let me just verify that while we're talking. I mean, I, I, am I right in thinking he was? Uh, was it Clough or Adkins made him captain or something? Adkins made him cap- club club captain as well. Like not just captain what? of the team, he was the club captain. And you think about that team had Paul Coots in it, where he eventually became vice captain, and Billy Sharp, who Billy is Sharp captain. Billy Sharp just signed. Yeah, and it, yeah, and that would not have been an unusual person to give the captaincy to, having just signed no. Billy Sharp, would it? Yeah, I remember. You him in there, you, you'd see more as a leader as well. So yeah, um, yeah, McEverly did play in that five-all game at uh, at Swindon. So yeah, he's he's my pick, but uh, fair enough. Have, have you have you said both your centre halves? Yeah, double off centre halves, left back. I think I've not done right back yet. Go on, is your right back? Daryl Westlake. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I considered him. Go on, tell me about Daryl Westlake. I just think this is summed up by the fact that he left our... Let me just get this right. He left our club in 2014, and by 2016, he was at Stourbridge. Which sort of sums up how poor he was, I think. To, to go that low in two years. Yeah, you're right. Oh, dear. That just so, surely just says what... I mean, and he played a lot of games for us as well, considering how bad he were. Do you know how old he is right now? I'd say about, what, 27? It's 28, yeah. Yeah, because I remember him being pretty young at the time, so we got him from Walsall, didn't we? Yes, yeah, that's right. So we, we then, basically signed someone who was a non-league player and played him 18 times. Right yeah, back. that's it. And then I think he's still at Stourbridge, isn't he? Or last <laughs> I heard, anyway. According to Wikipedia, that, yes. That's how bad he was. Who have you gone for? I've gone for the man we just mentioned, actually, Craig Alcock. Uh, yeah. Oh, good lord, he was he was so bad. He's another one that instantly springs to mind when I think of this, and and that Swindon game particularly. I mean, I think I think we possibly played him at centre half in that game. Or, we did. We did, yeah. And it was. I mean, there's a reason they were like three 0 up after about ten minutes, and yeah, he was he was kind of part of it to be honest. Although Bob Harris also uh, neglected any defending duties that night, but. <laughs> I just thought he was so limited as a as a footballer, as a defender. I feel like he was about four foot tall as well. I'm sure. I think we signed him from Peterborough, didn't we? And I'm sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, to I, replace Brayford, which I mean, I, obviously we re-signed Brayford. It never it never really happened for him again. But that is a such a step down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, re- I remember reading your views from if you were doing it back. then. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I remember seeing Peterborough fans just being like. Why on earth have you signed this guy? Like? Well, I think it, the, the one thing I'll say, it, it, it worked hard. He definitely put everything into it, but it was probably about as good as me. So, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd put the effort in, but I'm not, I certainly shouldn't be playing in a Sheffield United team. But I remember, I think he was that bad. It, it probably sums him up that Clough went mental and signed about four right backs, didn't mm. he? <laughs> to replace him at one point. We had, I was, he started playing Ryan Flynn ahead of him at one point at right back. And then mm. on the same day, I think we signed Brayford and Freeman. Oh, might well have been. It's unusual, really. Just hoping we can like smash all those players together to make one like Power Ranger. I don't think Clough was the worst manager we've had in that period, but in terms of recruitment, I think he's possibly the worst I've ever seen in that one season when he brought about fifteen players in yeah. with no sort of plan where to play them or anything. Uh, well, and, and that actually, you know, it was only really Wilder that was uh, had the opportunity to kind of clear a lot of that deadwood out as well. I think that's so right. It's correct. Yeah, it did. It did hamstring us for quite a while. All right, into, into midfield. So I've, I've not really faffed about with formation here, but you've only gone for three, haven't you? So yeah, you, true, yeah. I reckon we're gonna we're gonna have some serious crossover here. So go on. Who do you want to go with? You've got to go with the one and only Dean Ammon, don't you? I he's think the he's like hidden bottom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's like Higginbottom times 400. When I say like people who have just sort of passed it in one year, 
I think he just symbolises how low we got in that time more than anyone else. I think other people like of, in, before my time talk about like the likes of Derek Richardson or Wendy Goey or Chris Guthrie. This generation, we're going to be talking about Dean Hammond, aren't we, when we're talking about how bad things got. And I think he let himself down even more by activating that extra year in his contract. Whatever you think of that, it's his right to do it and it's our fault for giving him such a stupid contract. But... I think that just tipped him over the edge of being ensured that he's going to go down as like one of the worst ever signings of even people to be involved in Sheffield United. Yeah, that's that's a great point about the contract. He's, I, I have actually written him down as the captain of my worst blades of life. Oh, he, def- he would definitely be captain. There's a member, I remember a gamer, I, I think it was Swindon at home, and they, I don't even know who the Swindon player was, and he run past him, and I, I've never seen it before in professional football, and he just sort of gave up, like not out of... Lack of effort, but he just couldn't run. Yeah, <laughs> he like walked past him, and he and he was just like he, he was. Tr- you could see he were really trying, but his body just was, wasn't sort of going. It were it were really, really bad to watch. And the, and the thing is, it was quite clear very early on he he, he were past it, and he yeah. obviously did well for Atkins before, didn't he, at Southampton, and he were a Premier League player. And the fact that he kept playing him when everybody knew, everybody could see that he was way way past League One football. I mean, he never played again after, did he? No, I just looked that up. Yeah, he either retired or has disappeared off the uh, off the face of the footballing world. He did not. He has not played a game apparently in the league since. Uh, and I just, I think that's Atkins. I think he gets a lot of stick, Atkins, and a lot of it is merited. But he didn't get the chance to bring many players in. In fairness to him, but obviously with what Clough left behind. But the fact he brought it, brought him in, and carried on playing him, can't really forgive him for that, to be honest. No, and it, I mean there was that sort of infamous line about him, wasn't he, about how Dean Hammond does all this unseen work. It just yeah. became it became this, not that we really needed it, but it became a, an even bigger wedge between fans and players and management, which we yeah, yeah which, which you know, leading into Wilder taking over um, was, was an incredible shift away from that, but the club definitely needed that shift for sure because, yeah, it was like, look Nigel, we can all see this guy is terrible. Why, <laughs> not only are you still playing, but you're essentially telling us that we're all stupid because we can all see it, and you tell it. You know that that the implication of that unseen work thing is like you're all idiots. He's doing good things that none of you are smart enough to see. And you know whether he intended yeah. it that way or not. That's very much the uh, the inference I think that a lot of people, myself included, kind of pulled out of that. So yeah, I thought he was. Uh, I thought it was atrocious. I will. I will confess. I was quite excited when we signed him because of, as you say, done. Um, Good things at Leicester, played 100 games for Southampton, uh, a good chunk of which was in the Premier League as well. Uh, I feel like our midfield at that point was, was pretty atrocious, so I thought this could be the guy that gets us ticking, and then, yeah, he really didn't. He was terrible. And, um, yeah, the, the contract thing definitely tips it over the edge. Um, same team, I think, and possibly signed the same season, Martin Wolford. Yeah. <laughs> another name of, uh, of infamy. I think... a. Kind of a left winger type player, you know, certainly a, a wide left midfielder. Where on earth did we get him from? Any any memories? It's gone for Where was he gone for? Let's have a look. Uh, I think it does ring a bell actually. Um, Millwall apparently, and then he went to he played for Scotland oh, previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's right. Millwall, yeah. I mean, he was just just a, a talentless footballer for us. I think I don't want to be like, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be like over harsh on these players you know in terms of like yeah. the effort that most of them put in but it just wasn't very good at all no it, it was slow he was nesh he was awful he, would, he, he didn't have much skill 
I think he put about. I think I remember him putting one good cross in once and thinking, "Whoa, <laughs> that's unlike him." <laughs> Let's write it down. <laughs> I mean, he's another one that he, he continued to play, didn't he? Time after time, and I think he's another one who uh, stuck the V signs up, didn't he? <laughs> when he got substituted. Oh one, yeah. Days. And so, yeah, another one who's a uh, infamous. Uh, yeah, oh, it's awful, isn't it? When you think back, it just goes to show. I think. I mean, I, we always talk about how far we've come and stuff, but we're, this was only like three, year, three or four years ago. Yeah. No, it's incredible. It seems like we're talking like a couple of decades ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, he left the club in 2016, which is yeah, as you say, three years ago. So it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy and also depressing. Um, who, who's your other midfielder then? He's more of a winger, but I've gone Fabian Brande. Okay, I thought about him. Do you want to do you want to tell the listeners about? Fabian yeah, Brandy? I mean, I recall the first game he played against Notts County, and I thought he looked really, really good. He was, he was everything with like for ages. He got the ball, he ran. You know, a bit like what Moussa is now. That's what he looked like at that level for us. I was thinking, this guy's going to, you know. And then it just went wrong so quickly. He just started looking lazy, disinterested, weak. And then three years after we signed him, he ended up at UMT United. Who are are they? (laughs) UMT United. Yeah, I looked this up because I was thinking, where did he go? And yeah, Thailand. He just sort of perfectly summed up the David Weir era. And on paper... It looked good, yeah. I can see what you're trying to do. But when it comes to reality, it just didn't work. He wasn't cut out to play for a club like us. And we probably, in a way, ruined his career because I remember him being like quite a bit of a talent at Walsall and a mm. few people being interested. And then just completely went backwards. And I just think he's, if I had to pick someone who summed up the David Weir era and that was our worst period, it'd be Fabian Brander. Interesting. I've not picked him. He played slightly more than I thought, actually. I'm mm. just... Uh, yeah, I forgot this. I was trying to remember if he if he got injured or got sent off and actually got two reds in quick succession and got That's a seven-match right. suspension off the back of it. I think Clough just bombed him out immediately. That's pretty uh, bad. Yeah, it was only, uh, it was only 24. He looked like what you imagine a, a top-class premiership player who's sort of down tools, but he was a League One player. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. So, that, that first game against Notts County, everything looked super rosy, didn't it? When Maguire yeah. scored, McDonald was running the show. I mean, I, I'm all right. I think, we, what was it? I think we played against 10 men for about an hour, didn't we? And only won 2-1 or something like that. So maybe we shouldn't have got too carried away, but it, it very yeah. quickly fell apart for, uh, for David Weir and... Um, well, the rest of that team afterwards. Yeah. Have, I, have I got that all right? Am I, am I mixing up games? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, we're right. Yeah, you are right there. Yeah, it went yeah. And um, the, but they set off after ten minutes, and then I think Maguire got us a late winner, didn't he? Yeah, McDonald pulling the strings. I remember he might score actually. Like the next day, yeah. Oops, that doesn't look good in hindsight. Um, no. All right, I've got two different midfielders in mine in my four four two. Johnny Ertle. Is a player I just yes. I have no good memories of. Do you know my only and it's not a good memory, but my only memory of Johnny Ertle looking half decent was when we got smashed three nil at Portsmouth, and he was playing for Portsmouth. This is a, they'd just been like I think they were already relegated. We needed to win to stay in the playoffs or something like that. And we oh, were, I do remember this. Yeah, under we Chris were, Morgan. Yeah, yeah, we were two nil down almost immediately and lost three nil, and it was it was one of the worst displays from a United team I've seen, and a really unenjoyable game to watch but Ertl just like ran the show for them which was really rubbing salt in the wind because he was it was just shocking for us just a really I, I don't even know what he was whether he was a midfielder or a defender he, yeah. I mean not, Palace fans loved him as well it's always, I've got a well, funny story about Ertl is that I remember the year before I think it, I think he'd releg- he was in the team that relegated Wednesday for Palace mm. the year before, you know, the last day of the season and I, I watched that game with my dad 
And we were both uh, saying, bloody hell, he's rubbish, that, that number <laughs> number four, Johnny Ertel. God, yeah. But I remember, like, about, what, a month later, Dad gets who we've signed, Johnny Ertel. You're joking. <laughs> 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 I remember, like, we picked him out all the way through the game saying, he's rubbish, he can't pass, he's awful. What's we, what? And then, obviously, we signed him, and, yeah, we were spot on. But, weirdly, well-loved at Portsmouth, really loved at Portsmouth, like another cult hero, and really well-liked at Crystal Palace as well, so. Mm. Yeah, I didn't like him. No, good, no, good not I think he had one good game that I saw, which was his first game against Cardiff away when Matt Loughton got sent off. And he was at centre-half with Morgan, and he looked really good, and then it just all went wrong after that. <laughs> it really did. Uh, my other midfielder, and this is, I don't know, this might be a little bit contentious, I don't, or I might have gone a bit left field here, but uh, you mentioned him earlier, Barry Robson, to me, mm. is a... It's a player that, and I've, I've tried to think how to justify this, but again, he's a name that sprang to mind immediately. And he, he's a player I associate with falling out of love with United for a few mm. years there, where it just became like going to games became a chore. It wasn't fun. I didn't like the team. You know, they were, I didn't like the football. I didn't particularly like the manager. It's a Scottish international midfielder. He played, yeah. I think, he played eighteen games for us. I had a quick look earlier. But he was just a, and again, I was quite excited when we signed him. You know, I kind of knew him as a, you know, a decent footballer, a good passer, and all this. And then you just watch him, and it's like, oh, really? Is this is this the best we can do? I can't remember which of our players he said that about earlier, but yeah, well, it was the same as for me. It was the same as when we signed Danny Egginbottom. I think we signed him around the, I think it was it. The same same transfer window, and it was another one where I thought, yeah, Barry Robson. I remember him playing for Middlesbrough, like running the yeah. show in a couple of games, and. I remember Neil Warnock at the time, weirdly enough, being on TV saying that could be the signing that gets Sheffield United up. And he was, he was, yeah, just slow, past his best, didn't really look like he wanted to be there. Did that weird thing. You remember that corner he took by any chance? Uh, I, I don't, can't remember what game it was. It might have been MK Dons, where he took an age to take a corner to the point where they blew a whistle. Uh, they blew the whistle for half time because he, oh, he took that yeah. long to take it. And he got a lot of stick from the crowd and he was giving it back and stuff. And uh, I, that, that was weird. I mean, I'm not going to. Come out. I'm not going to have more conspiracy theories after last week, but you you would be sort of thinking, why did he take so long to take that corner? Yeah, it's got a, it's got a cheeky bit on half time, full time. Yeah, but it was just weird that that team, as you said, it were it reminds of every match. It never, I don't know, every game I think back to, it was always windy, rainy, cold, awful pitch, <laughs> awful game, no atmosphere, stadiums awful. It were, oh, it were, yeah, and he sort of yeah typifies that, I reckon. Yeah, I hope anybody listening to this is, uh, you know, it's just serving as a nice reminder for what we have right now. That, uh, you know, it's good. It is good. I like it because it it really does make you think. When I was putting the team together, I thought I, I still can't believe how quickly we've come on. It takes clubs mm. ten years to get to this. You know, we've done it in like four. Yeah, it's mental. All right, let's uh, let's do forwards. So you've gone for three, haven't you? Uh, yeah, well, which, what, yeah. Which what means I'm going to sort of a. I think he could play wing as well. It's Michael O'Halloran. Oh, okay. Because him and Oskins, him and Will Oskins were brought in to replace Chad Evans in the at the time very unlikely scenario that he got sent down. Yeah. Hoskins uh, were poor, but he did score. Oh, I can't honestly recall a single thing that he did to help us that season. We we had three strikers as backup for Chad that season. Will Oskins, who was just injured all the time. James B, a who just uh, you know it was just a dreadful sign. He got sent off more times than he scored, mm. double more times than he scored. But Michael O'Halloran, I remember like he had a bit of a. Re- I think he came from Bolton on loan or Premier League at the time, and he had a bit of a reputation of being like a bit of a pacey guy. And yep. I don't think he offered 
anything. I don't remember a single good thing that he did. So I can remember one good thing that he did, and that is he scored a penalty in the playoff final. He did. Sort of he did. He did. He did. He yeah. One of our seven goal scorers. That um, penalty shootout probably sums up how bad our team because every player that stepped forward, apart from about three, I said, he'll miss. Which <laughs> 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 shows the confidence I had in that set of players. I have to say, I, I remember going. Uh, absolutely bananas when Neil Collins scored. Um, yeah. So that was the. F- if I got this, yeah, I've got the right order. So he was our. Fir- as you're right, they they missed their first penalty. Williamson missed ours. They missed their second penalty. Neil Collins scored for us. And they I missed just remember, the third. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember going mad like we scored. We scored at Wembley. Like finally seen a <laughs> score in one of these games, even though it's only a a penalty shootout and not an actual open play goal. But yeah, O'Halloran. Yeah, you're right. He was brought in to to kind of do do a bit of a job and <laughs> didn't really do it. I didn't I didn't consider him, but. I think he's definitely in that category of like, what on earth was that? Hoskins. Yeah. I've forgotten about him. Um, I won't yeah. put him in this either, but it, wasn't he like an absolute superstar for like Rotherham or someone like that? Yeah, it, it, brilliant for Rotherham. And then Watford paid a bit of money for him and Lee Williamson falling off. Uh, mm. And then he never really got a chance at Watford. And then he just went slowly. But I remember when we signed him in Radio Sheffield going mad saying, this is a, a brilliant sign. I remember him at Rotherham and, you know, all the Rotherham fans are following up saying, oh, he's a great player. Mm. And I don't know if he was just hit by injuries too much, in fairness to him. I, I, he never did that. He scored one goal, I think, for us against Wickham. Uh, and, yeah, he, he, just, he didn't do anything else other than that. No. Uh, all right, so O'Halloran isn't one of my two strikers, uh, but I'm sure this person will be in your team. It's Connor Salmon. Yeah. He's got to be, hasn't he? I think he's only second to Ammon in infamous and when it comes yeah. to his last 10 years did, did those three play together Wolford, Hammond and Salmon I think they did didn't they they did, they did. Uh, Atkins brought four players in by all accounts Salmon were already signed so I might let him off with that one yeah I, that I, is but, true actually yeah. yeah but he brought they all, let's say he did, they, they all came in that sort of that season Wolford, Hammond, Salmon and Billy Sharp and spot the odd one out. <laughs> oh, that was for <laughs> the unholy trinity of those first two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was atrocious. I mean, we've all seen the uh, the gif of him missing that tap in against God knows who. Um, there right. were more though. There were more. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was just the thing is, I I can't remember why, but I, I think we might have been in pursuit of this exercise actually. But I was watching some highlights from I think from that season. Um, mm. And you know he's, he's sort of obviously crops up in most of him, and you look at him, it's like oh, physically, like it's quite you know he's a he's a big guy, you know he moves yeah. around and stuff, but he was just atrocious when he and he just became it just became a meme. I mean, he he looks a bit weird. He's got a funny name. He was terrible. Like, he, he, just... he, what, he had one good game away at Peterborough. Peterborough, yeah. three one. I think he got two that game, and you're thinking, wow, this is you know yes. I don't know because he had a poor record before, so no one were excited about the actual signing himself, but then. I mean, the other striker I'm going to pick and the other one we our Halloran, I can sort of at least see what they were brought in to offer. Halloran, you know, Aaron with his pace and stuff. I, what did he offer? Salmon, I don't understand what he was even supposed to be good at. No, not sure at all. Uh, and yeah, he just went back to Scotland. We had a lot of players who just went back to Scotland in this era, yeah. didn't we? And were never heard from again. Uh, and he was one of them. Um, go on. Who, who is your uh, who's your other striker? Then the final final player in this team It's Michael Higdon. Yep, I've gone for exactly yeah. the same one. Go ahead. I think the term pub players used a lot in it these days, but I think you know he looks like one. He looked like he'd just come out of the pub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I honestly think he's the most immobile striker I have ever seen, and I mean that. I can't. I mean, and he were a bit of a maniac as well, weren't he? Do you remember that game against Swindon where he got took off at half-time? 
Uh, I don't remember that one. I remember one against Chesterfield where he just like <laughs> obliterated one of their players in the first half, got sent off for it, and we went went on to lose the game. I think. There was Swindon where he got booked after about 20 minutes and then he continued to foul. And the referee really conveniently didn't send him off. And he had to, Clough had to take him off at half-time. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that we never saw him again after that. That wasn't the playoff. Uh, no, no, no. It was the, we we the beat season. him at home 2-0. Um, right. Weirdly, we had Jamie Murphy on the bench. Jamie Murphy came on in that game and scored two. Mm. Um, and we took Higdon off and I'm pretty sure we never saw him again. I mean, if you think Baldock's angry at the moment, then... Oof. Yeah, he was, <laughs> One way to go before he gets to Higdon territory. He was atrocious. He obviously scored on his debut. He was signed from uh, an Eredivisie team. I can't remember the name. Or I can't remember how you pronounce it anyway. Ganzu. Allegedly signed off a YouTube video as well. Yeah, this is a good uh, <laughs> good urban legend, that one, isn't it? <laughs> it, 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 it? I will say, he was excuse me, he was signed suspiciously late mm. uh, before the season. It was practically like the day before the season started. Yeah. Inexplicably made captain that like, didn't make, yeah, on his that debut. Bizarre, that. Yeah, scored against uh, Bristol City, but then we lost the game. And yeah, I mean, I, I remember him, he scored against like MK Dons in a League Cup tie away. Mm. But yeah, he was... Uh, he was not good at all, and um, well, all that's pre-season because obviously we ended the season before with a cup run and, and that amazing run. Hmm. And we were all saying, all, the only thing we need now is the finishing touch of a striker." What we ended up doing is losing out on Conor Cody, losing out on John Brayford, so we were weaker anyway. And then we didn't have a striker. We got to like the last week of the season, and we we're like, "Our only fit striker is Chris Porter." And at a push, Jose Baxter. So it was the most panic signing I think we'll ever make. Yeah, Chris Porter. Yeah, he's, he's I mean no... Porter. I mean, I, I didn't. Even, I mean, I didn't consider him whatsoever because he's someone who he gave us some great moments, didn't he, Porter? Porter, oh, no, he's nowhere near this team. No, he's no, he's in my it. best blades eleven of the decade. Yeah, <laughs> and he always put his effort in. Always, yeah, I like Porter. I'm glad. I, I, always, I always have a bit, bit of a smile when he scores for crew. Yes. Same, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's in my top five uh, Vidi Printer X-Blades that I get excited <laughs> about when I see him pop up. Yeah, nice one. All right, there we go. There is there is the worst Blades 11 of the uh, of the decade. Um, let's quickly tick off a few of the uh, best and worst of the decade. We'll do these a lot more quickly. So the, the best 11 of the 2010s. Now, the question here is, I think, is how many players that are not part of our current team would crack this team mm. um, do you want to throw any out there or have you, have you literally just two picked two and that's it uh, it's the current team plus yep. Harry Maguire as much as I love Basham I think Maguire is just a better player mm. and I've gone Duffy Duffy in his prime uh, yeah. above Lundstrom who's playing brilliant but it's only been 10 games or so aren't it? so I can't really put him in feasibly above Duffy we got three amazing seasons out of the rest of it is the team now I've gone sharp on my Goldrick cut front so yeah, so you go, uh, you go, um, Egan ahead of Basham then. I would go Egan against uh, ahead of Basham because I think Egan Basham's brilliant and I love I love everything about him. But I think Egan is destined, if in my opinion, for bigger things. Mm. I, I really think these links to Everton and stuff. Whether he goes or not, I'm not sure. But I think he looks Basham looks. He's playing brilliant, but I think Egan looks the actual the the part of being a top Premiership defender. I mean, mm. obviously it's early days could change and stuff I just think he's I think if you were asking me to pick if I had that squad of players uh, of the last 10 years the three I'd pick would be Aaron Maguire John Egan and Jack O'Connell mm. 
Good shout. Um, I I sort of flip flopped on Maguire and Basham, but I did go for Basham in the end. Just yeah, uh, I understand it completely. Yeah, yeah. I think the the longevity comes into it, and all right, he was pretty terrible for a couple of years, but his I guess his improvement as a footballer and his flexibility, and you know, he's given us some some incredible moments as well. You know, not least Basham arriving last season, but yeah. Just, uh, just being at the heart of everything good about us at the moment. So he, he just gets a nod for me uh, over Maguire, who I initially had in this. Um, I've, I've just gone four defenders, four attackers, and two strikers, just to again for simplicity, I guess. So I, yeah. al- I also have Duffy, uh, and I've, having picked four midfielders, it means I can get Coots in here as well. Which yeah, that's we, we, that's one that um, I, I've like, I had no, I, I had Norwood and Coots, and I kept changing them to be honest, and. Uh, the reason I didn't pick Coots, and it's, it's purely due to the first couple of years at the club, where mm-hmm. obviously he didn't really produce much, but at the P, Norwood and Coots, flip a coin. I think you have to pick Norwood if, you have to, if you're only picking one. I mean, I've not done... That wasn't my purpose in going with four midfielders. Yeah. I just did that just by default, really. But, yeah, I think if you have to pick one, it has to be Norwood, just because... You know, it, all right. Maybe we would have seen this from Coots if not for the injury. But mm-hmm. Norwood, you know, was a major, major, major part of us getting promoted last season. Yeah, uh, he very much looks the part in the Premier League. So we, we have evidence that he does it at the yeah. at the highest level. So and yeah, I think but it's amazing because I still see some people say Norwood should be dropped. I mean, every now and again it, it crops up when he's had a quite a game or a poor game. Just please remember how hard it was to fill that role with Coots when he left. Jeez. It took us a season. That's how good Norwood is. You know, yeah, well, he did it immediately, didn't he? Exactly. He stepped in immediately, and he's probably raised the bar as well. Let's let's not sort of, as good as Lundstrom is, and Lee Evans weren't an awful player. They were just nowhere near a patch on Norwood in that position. So I think he deserves more credit than he gets a lot of the time, actually. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, some honourable mentions just to throw in there. Uh, it could possibly make a case for uh, for Matt Loughton at right back. I did think that. Yeah, I just don't. I think Baldock's proved for me. He's had three seasons of proper consistency. We only really got one season out of yep. uh, uh, Loughton. And it was in League One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee Williamson, I quite liked. Uh, I, I think he's an underrated part of uh, the last ten years for United. Um, but there's we no way the, the peaks, weren't he? And he got an injury didn't he, in the the second League One season, did he? Mm, yeah, I think so. He, he scored a lot of goals for us as well. I mean, that that, that team was just stuffed with goals when it the uh, the first season in League One, which you can't expect to be fair. And it was, you know, it was quite refreshing because obviously we'd watched so much. Crap in the championship, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly we're going to the uh, Linter League One, and uh, yeah, it's got thirteen goals for us that season, which is. I mean, that team in League One, because I've looked at the old programs, like just to get a, a gist of who to pick for the for these things, and it's mental. I know we got like about ninety three points or something like that, but I don't know how they didn't go up with that team. I mean, they had Chad Evans, we had Lee Williamson, Kevin McDonald, we had Mendes Lang on loan, Matt Phillips on loan. Mm. <laughs> Good defence as well, Maguire yeah, in defence. Yeah, Maguire, Loughton, uh, Francois, a decent player. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how they didn't go up. I really, well, we do, it's Chad Evans. But. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, definitely part of it. Um, Kevin McDonald is another one that uh, I thought was very good for us. Again, hmm. not not in the team, but honourable mention. And the, I think, genuinely, the only possible striker... Well, I don't know. Maybe you could say Leon Clark as well, but it was a, a sort of. I did consider short... Leon Clark, but it was, again, it's just a one-season thing. It but... was a short burst of, uh, well, almost historic excellence. Wasn't it? When, <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. when he scored eight, I think he scored like eight goals in three and a half games, two and a half yeah, games. Something ridiculous. He, got, he scored hat trick then he got four. His fourth against. Um, he got a hat trick against. Uh, he scored Hull, four against he got Hull. A against Fulham, didn't it? The week after. He scored four against Hull. 
He scored four course he did. He scored four yeah. against Hull, three against Fulham. Then he got a got it, one against the Wolves, I think. Yeah, two against what ridiculous so that that run. And then he had a bit of a one towards the end of the season as well, didn't he? But yeah, um, and the other one's Jamie Murphy, who potentially could be a midfielder. Yeah. But again, we we didn't see him do it. Uh, I mean, he went on to do it in the Premier League, but um, and the Championship, but we didn't see him do it above League yeah. One. It was one I considered, but I just I think if you I'd have had to drop probably Duffy or McGoldrick, and I'd just prefer those two players. Easy, yeah. Oh, by the way, who is your who was your who would be your manager of the worst Blades eleven? <laughs> I'm gonna have to say David Weir. I think oh, we won. What, did we win one in eleven under him? We won the first one, and then yeah, I think. It was and then, then we just lost. We didn't even draw. We lost the next nine. I think we drew against Crawley at home. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like a high point. That <laughs> 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 we like we drew with Crawley at home, and I just think what I hated about David Weir is management is that he just didn't change it. We're obviously playing four five one. It's great to stick to your principles and stuff, but when it's quite clearly not working. It's the most inflexible, unflexible manager that I've ever come across. Who did you go for? Uh, I went for Adkins. I think. I think just... that's a fair shout as well. I mean, there's a, they could have them all, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you could almost, you know, cl- the the mess Clough left us in, and how bad that second season was under him. Yeah, you could put him in the conversation, but the, you know, I, I thought he'd, he he pulled us around from you know being in a real mess when he took over Clough, and it took a little bit of time, admittedly. But the cup runs were also the nearest one to me. Probably my second place would probably be Mickey Adams, actually. Yeah, that's true. I kind of I remember that. one transfer window when we got rid of Kyle Bartley, Leon Britton, and Jamie Ward, and brought in Neil Collins, uh, Michael Doyle, and Marcus Bend. <laughs> Not ideal, wasn't it? No. There's something I can't remember who it was, whether it was Adams himself said, like, you know, he feels he was really harshly treated by, you know, it's like, you guys relegated me. I mean, I don't know, it might have been going down anyway, but. 4 and 21, I think it was. I think yeah. I, I looked at it earlier, I can't remember. I think it was 4 and 21 we won, so. Yeah, you didn't deserve that next no. season, so. Nice. All right, cool. Um, all right, let's tick off uh, these ones quickly. Best moment of the decade? Uh, I've got to say beating Wednesday at Hillsborough just could, because I've said it before on this podcast that I think it changed absolutely everything I think yeah. it, both clubs went in completely different directions it completely sapped their confidence they're in the state now that they're in and I think it's people talk about Boxing Day Massacre 4-0 and how the, the, I, people are going to look back at that as the moment things change for both clubs I think yeah I mean that's so I, the other ones I've got here you know promotion to the Premier League promotion yeah. from League One which actually possibly was sweeter in a funny way like just like Mm -hmm. oh thank god we've done it and to do it with 100 points and you know winning all those games at the end of the season despite the players clearly being out on the lash like every single week I think it just showed how much better we were I think I I think a problem I don't know if the league one was brilliant because it's the first success we'd had for well since Warner got promoted really the first problem we got to a few semi-finals and stuff but yeah um, and that's another one actually in the best moments. The, uh, the Stephen, whole Yeah, the Stefan Google goal, the second goal when we were 2 1 up, and you're thinking, well, wow, we might actually get to an FA Cup final. Yeah, no, I've got that here as well. And, and also beating Charlton and Forrest in that run was both very enjoyable. But yeah. no, you're right, a bouncing day. I mean, you know, maybe some people will be like, oh, it's so small time that, you know, this is bigger than getting promoted to the Premier League. But it's like, well, the thing is, I don't know what's going to happen to United over the next 40 years. But I can pretty much guarantee that in 40 years' time, you and I will be at football matches reminiscing about how United won 4-2 at Hillsborough and stopped the bouncing. I still watch back even now. I really do. Sometimes I'm on YouTube and it'll come up as a suggestion. I'll think, oh, why not? <laughs> Treat myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's that was my best moment as well. Um, best game that you attended? 
The best game that I tended, the best games were actually ones that we always lost or drew. Right. Um, I've gone 5 3, Hull. Yeah, I've got that here as well. Uh, objectively, it's probably the 5 all draw with Swindon. Yeah, I've got that as well. I've got the 5 4 defeat against Fulham as well. Oh, yeah, that was very good. Yeah, it's been And remember year. the uh, 2 2 at home to Brentford? I, uh, I wasn't. Was that when there was like a missed penalty or something? There were three penalties. Three yeah, I wasn't out of that. Oh, uh, they went down to nine men in equalising the last minute. So uh, Clayton Donaldson scored? That's right, yeah, Clayton yeah. Donaldson scored, yeah. Um, and I've also gone for a 2-2 against Spurs at home, which I thought were for a neutral must have mm. been a really good game. That was an exciting game. Um, so that was, that was the objective best game. I think the one I enjoyed the most was that I was at, because I was not at Hillsborough, um, was probably the 3-0 win over Hull last season. Like... Just like almost wanted to cry with happiness after about ten minutes. Like, yeah, the best feeling I mean, ever. I was at work for that game and just kept getting like text messages all the time. One nil, two. It's like are they lying to me? It's, like, it's not even half time. <laughs> three nil up. Uh, but yeah, I think the best one I went to was probably the Ipswich one, just because all that week I were I were confident as you can be. I mean, you're playing bottom of the league, relegated team at home, but until that second goal went in, it was just such a moment of relief. I thought mm. for that second goal, and, and you know you got to save the moments like that. And I remember sort of. All the players jumping on the pitch and all that sort of stuff, and that's another one. I, I do still watch that back every now and again. Actually, that that two yeah. win, so that's pretty special. What was the what was the worst game that you attended that you can remember? Wow, this, this I've narrowed this down to about twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> narrowed <laughs> it down. I think the one that sticks out to me, and I don't know why, that when you when I first mentioned it, I'll go with my gut instinct. Is a one nil defeat at home to Burton under mm. Nigel Adkins. Uh, I know which one you mean. I think we had one shot. Duffy played for them and absolutely ran the show. Um, we obviously coming up against his old manager in Nigel Clough, who we just sacked. Mm. So that that sort of thing to it that as all managers got one over on us. I think they yeah they got promoted that season. Burton yeah. Albion. I've never seen such a team put up such a low sort of fight. I mean, the, the, Neil Collins played in that game. And you're thinking he's going to show Clough what he were awful. Just got like run past it. That was like one of the, we've had worse games in terms of performances, but that I just remember coming out feeling so low, thinking, "Well, what now? <laughs> What's the point?" Yeah, yeah. I, there I were a few like that. I mean, there were there were obviously the South End game like that, uh, the three 0 under Wilder. There was also a one 0 loss to Derby under Mickey Adams, which is probably the most dreadful game of Clough again, actually. For a bit of a thing here, all the dreadful matches come under <laughs> Nigel Clough, but uh, yeah, we lost one nil. Um, I think they scored after about nine minutes. Mm. Uh, and we, I don't think we had a shot after that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember that one. Yeah, you probably won't. It's awful. I wrote a piece <laughs> in Den Blades actually, saying it was matches you. It was only like one off, and never did anymore. But matches you may have forgotten that were awful. And that was <laughs> that was a good feature. Match, so. I like that. Well, here's my two entries into that possible category. Uh, I mean, I just did so many times, just bored out of my mind watching the yeah. the Clough and Atkins sides, but. Uh, I remember a one nil win over Crawley, uh, where we so, so yeah it was it was terrible, but we won the game and it was terrible. Uh, we kept it in the corner at the end and people oh, I booed. I do remember this, yeah. And it became a big thing afterwards. It was like really early in the season. It was like maybe our first win or first might even have been our first point or something. Um, yeah. But it was just like, what are we doing? Like, I mean. Yeah, I mean, again, it just really summed up where we were at, I think, as a, as a team and a sort of mindset. We, you know, we won the game 1-0, but yeah. Yeah, people were actually booing the keeping it in the corner. Um, uh, same season, actually, I think it was a few weeks before, uh, we lost 1-0 at, Co- uh, excuse me, 1-0 to Coventry at Northampton. Yeah, uh, that game, yeah. 
Uh, Bob Harris' own goal. McEverly came on to them, played left wing for some reason. Um, I remember Jeremy... going a goal down and he brought Michael Doyle on to change things. There's <laughs> <laughs> apparently, I looked this up, there were only 2,200 people there and yeah, it just felt like such a non-event. So I, I yeah. think we'll get shot if we don't mention the 4-2 against um, Shrewsbury as well at home. Yeah, but that was a, like was objectively a, a fairly decent game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- there's there's a, a one that goes in worst moment for me, so we can segue into that one. Go yeah. for losing four nil at Gillingham to kick off the uh, 2015-16 season was truly horrific. Two awful soft goals. John Egan scored for them, and then uh, yeah. Bradley Dack wanged one in to make it four nil. And this, and, uh, I remember the pre-season for that being brilliant. I don't think yeah. we lost. I think we won every game. Yeah, we were we were just atrocious, and it was it was frankly embarrassing, and you know, basically uh, melting in the sun in a you know an un- uncovered away end, and yeah, being feeling like I was a long way from home, and what the hell am I doing, kind of thing. Um, any others in your worst moments? The worst moment for me was the Stevenage at home, you know, the two-two draw, which basically oh, made geez, sure yeah. that Wednesday went up, and we did. I remember we were in the pub before watching the results come in, and Wednesday beat Brentford away. So we had to. We were second at that point. Obviously, they went second, and there were one game left after. They had Wickham at home the last game, so you think that's an easy three points. They'd already been relegated, so we mm. needed to win. And Stevenage weren't in great form, and we went two 0 down, like in the second half, and they were awful, horrible, horrible. Because it wasn't just you missed out on promotion. There were all the the back, the, all the thing going on with Chad Evans as well. We were so mm. far clear at one point to lose it to your main rivals as well. Yeah, that's that's the lowest I felt this decade. I think to do United. That was a sickness because yeah we you know it was still in our hands wasn't it if we'd won that mm. game and I think we had uh, we'd equalised now I think they blocked a shot possibly handball yeah and, yeah it was uh, it was pretty depressing Luke Freeman ran the show for them uh, he did actually. yeah what happened to him <laughs> yeah. um, the lap of shame after the Scunthorpe game uh, under Ad- Adkins's final final moments was, was I quite like that in a weird way I, I thought it sort true. of true that sounds a bit perverse but I did think that sort of I, I think that's quite, when things like that happen, and it, and it did go like almost sort of viral with the guy sh- swearing at kids <laughs> and what have you. I think that sort of needed something just to show how you know peeved off everybody was. That's what but, we think. Yeah, yeah, that's the same. Yeah, the guy he, he, he's changed our course of history. He deserves to have a statue built. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> you're right. Actually, yeah, it was good. Yeah, get emotional, emotional purging. I suppose. And yeah, and I think the fact that there were only like two thousand there, and and it was just it looked it, it were embarrassing for the players, and it, it yeah. was like this is what we think of you. And I do think there was something good that came out of that eventually. I think that was the final straw for Adkins. I think. Kevin McKay pretty much knew he had to sack him out. I think he was there, weren't he, McCabe? And mm. uh, he pretty much sacked him basically the day after or whatever. And then obviously Wilder came in. So, you know, good things at least came out of that. But Yeah, it's a, it's a compelling case. Um, I mean, this pales into insignificance, actually, with the, with the other ones I mentioned. But drawing one all with Millwall last season was... Uh, Oh. Was very it was a real low at the time, although obviously it worked out uh, worked out for the best. But in a, in a yeah. sort of in the moment, like oh my god, I can't believe this. That I was, was gobsmacked. Uh, I, rem- I remember sort of just sitting in silence, really, sort yeah. of not really knowing how to compute it because it. I, I did. I always thought we'd miss out to Leeds. I really did. I always thought there were a sucker punch coming just because it's United, basically. But. That in that way, we thought they'd miss the pen, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought like things are changing here, and it did seem like that was it. You didn't see Leeds throwing anything away after that, and then obviously they beat Wednesday later on, 
yeah. that and what an easy game against Wigan at home and the rest is history so I think I turned my phone off after that game I was like I don't want any I, not that people were going to be spamming me abuse or anything like that um, but I just I was like I just can't I can't deal with the internet right now I don't well, want I infamously any... didn't do a view from the first one I've done for about seven years or something like that <laughs> I just got absolutely wasted I really did it's mad how it affects you really when you think back but I was such a yeah. I just wanted to forget <laughs> yeah no exactly uh, and then Simonson's penalty is obviously yeah. Yeah, a pretty low point but um, yeah I think uh, sorry my mind's gone blank the Stevenage one the Stevenage one I completely forgot about mm. but actually that is a great shout for worst moment of the decade alright mate we've gone through some best and worst there uh, yep. and it took, took us a little bit of time so uh, let's have a quick break and then uh, we will hit some of these other questions from other people uh, a bit more quickly and succinctly I think all right, a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. First of all, let me hit you with a question. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? I know it sounds extremely good to me. Well, the good folk at Beer52 are offering just that to Blades Pod listeners. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash bladespod, sign up and cover just the £4.95 for postage. They will send you a case of eight free beers. And these aren't just any beers. Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. So if, like me, you like trying something new when it comes to your beer, Beer 52 is definitely the one for you. Beer 52, don't hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. So sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You can get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the number's 52.com slash bladespod. Thanks very much, and now back to the pod. All right, then, let's uh, let's hit some of these nice and quickly then. So uh, two... Two people called Gary, both Taylor and Corby, asked me. Uh, they're, they're just curious how how it works with suspensions this season. How many yellows needed, and who in our team looks like getting suspended? So, a good a good public service announcement here. So, Premier League uh, five yellows before the nineteenth game gets you a one game suspension. So we're obviously just played the twelfth game now, uh, and then it's ten before thirty two. And I was a bit surprised by this actually. We don't have anybody with more than three yellow cards so far this season. Yeah, it's Fleck in it. I think there's got three. Fleck, Lundstrom, and Baldock. Uh, of course, Baldock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're both on three, uh, which basically means if they they can afford one more booking in the next seven matches uh, before they get suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably, I think it's probably fair to assume that at least one of those is going to get suspended for a game at some point, but possibly not a major issue. The rest of the rest of the team's only on two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basham Henderson. Do you know Henderson's got two yellow cards? That must be for that must be for time wasting. Sure, there were one against Everton when uh, Baldock. Through, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Player into this, and he, he like run across, and he got a booking for that. And I think the other one must have been time wasting. Yeah, yeah, must have been. So Basham, Henderson, O'Connell, McBurney, and Norwood, uh, only all of just two. So uh, the main red flag there for me would be Norwood. I think as like a player that will actually really be difficult to replace. And I mean Norwood is he, he certainly picked up yellow cards at a much quicker rate than this last season. I think so. That's quite encouraging. So hopefully, yeah, not uh, n- not too many suspensions ahead. Um, Fifteen yellows is the sort of 
the next the next point after the 32 game one so yeah we've actually done all right actually yeah we have yeah i'm surprised i thought we'd have i don't know why i just i thought we'd be nearing you know nearing a suspension now but yeah no i think we think we'll hopefully be all right unless someone do you know i remember doing this last season i was like oh i don't think anyone else is going to get suspended for the rest of the season then gary medine uh just went absolutely <laughs> obliterated that brentford yeah. player li- like literally the next day <laughs> like thanks very much um all right, uh, this one, this one, I feel goes out to you. It's almost like the, it was addressed personally to you. It's from Top Boy. Do you know Top mm-hmm. Boy? I feel like you know him. I is he, don't. Is he a friend think... of yours? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, I feel like you've. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like you. you know I'll, him. I'll have a you know look. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe he's a friend in, in disguise. I'm not sure. I don't ring a bell anyway. But well, he is a top boy, as the name suggests. Um, <laughs> If a championship club came knocking for Billy Sharp in January, oh, sacrilegious. Yeah. A, would it be a sensible move for both parties, that's club and Billy, and B, if he goes, who should replace him? And as a, a regular critic of Billy Sharp's athleticism and, and the rest. Yeah, I'm, I hate I'm, him. I'm uh, You run about the, the awards thing. Obviously, we've done it now. But if you'd have asked me who our best player was of the decade, I'd have gone Billy Sharp. I actually missed that. That's on here. Yes. Yeah, I think Sharp, because obviously everything. I mean, just the fact he's come back he's the third time. He's, he's, everything that's good about is really summed up by Billy Sharp. And no way. I definitely No way should he leave this season. And no way should we be thinking of selling him. For me, at the moment, he's still our third best striker as it stands. Yeah, expect, well, this is it. Go yeah, on, I expect at least one of McBurney or Robinson to improve, but right now he's just behind Dids and Moose, isn't he? If one of them get injured, shots yeah. in, surely. Yeah, I mean, so he, he hasn't started yet, um, but he has made more sub-appearances than any other player on our team. He's been subbed on seven times, and I think if he doesn't get that red card against Southampton, he potentially would have started, because we were we were very much figuring things... I mean, that was before the Moose-Magoldrick partnership had uh, had had chance to, to come together, I suppose. So I reckon he definitely would have started at least one of those next couple of games. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I don't. I think it'd be mad to, uh, to to sell him or let him leave at any stage, to be honest. I mean, I, I think he'll score a couple more goals for us at winner's points. I mean, you know, as he did against Bournemouth, you know, the way that we play for... You know, we try and create big chances. His ability to get on the end of them and, and finish them will be a big deal. And... Yeah, as, as you kind of said, you know, if we did let him go, we'd need to replace him. So. Yeah, and I don't think there's... I mean, he nearly got a goal against Burnley another day. That would have been in, and he's thrown yeah. two goals in no start, so... Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, if a championship club comes knocking, we will tell them to yeah. to clear off, go and uh, go and bother someone else. Um, Jordan Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Rhodes. Um, all right, Spud says, uh, the pod has been too cheery lately, which is possibly why we did this worst 11. Um, <laughs> doom and gloom merchants will switch off, which is a fair point. This uh, is my field, this doom and gloom. <laughs> <laughs> so I like this. This is a good way of thinking about the, um, the the squad strength, I think. So this is a question. Hypothetically, pick three players out of the starting 11 from the Spurs game that are going to be out for the season who do you think we could survive without? And conversely, which three would you like to stay injury-free all season? So basically, mm. the 11 that started against Spurs, which three do you think we could most survive without if they got injured for the rest of the season? Go on. I'll go Fleck, mainly due to Freeman's performances when Fleck was out, as good mm. as Fleck's been. Um, I'd go for Lundstrom, mainly due to the other options that we've got, Osborne, Bessick, even Rival. Uh, Ravel, should I say, uh, and I'd go Egan because I think Jags is probably the most comfortable backup al- uh, along with Freeman that we have. 
Yeah, I've, I've also gone Egan and Lundstrom, uh, and this is not a. It was hard to do this. It's no, no, yeah, a, uh... what I'm doing, I'm thinking, oh, this is harsh, but the, I'm, this is purely on backup. It's not nothing to do with them as as players. I just think we're we're more covered in those areas. Yeah, my my other one, I do I do think we'd miss Fleck. I think the way Fleck is playing at the moment, he yeah. he would. I think uh... that's a shout. Yeah, it's just, like I said, the only one I knew because Freeman would really good yeah. game in for him earlier in the season. That's, that is a, a very good point. Yeah, um, but yeah, the other one I had is uh, is Dean Henderson. Because, um, oh, so I didn't even think that. Yeah, I really didn't think that. Actually. Our defense protects our goalkeeper so well that, um, you know, over the course of a season, if we had to play Henderson, if we had to play, say, Moore or, or Verips instead of yeah. Henderson, then I, I think you would see, you know, we would suffer a drop off in, in a performance. But at the same time, is it how I, I just think like sw- swapping a goalkeeper is. Less impactful than swapping, you know, your starting striker, your starting midfielder, your starting mm. centre back, or whatever. So, yeah, he he'd be one that I would put in this list. But hopefully, he's uh, going to remain injury free all season. Obviously, he can't play the next game against Manchester United, his parent club. So, yeah, we get the uh, we get the short term version of that anyway. Um, yeah, I'd be interested actually on on Sunday to see how more gets on. Indeed. Uh, who are your three that we can't do without? I've gone Jack O'Connell just because there's nobody can replace him. Stevens is the best bet to replace him, but then you're losing Stevens. So it's almost like losing mm. two players, I think, yep. uh, if, if O'Connell gets injured. I think Norwood, for what I said earlier about how much we struggled without Coots when he got injured, I think it'd be a pretty similar thing tactically if uh, if Norwood got injured for a long time. I think we'd struggle to replace him as well. And I think we've already got proof of McGoldrick, the lack of chances we created against Everton, Liverpool, Watford compared to the ones that we created against West Ham, Burnley and Spurs tells you everything. Yeah, I've gone the exact same three. Yeah. I I would have major major worries about what happens if Norwood gets injured and I wonder if that's something we will try and address in January. I'd say, Bash is a very close fourth, actually. Basham, was that? Yeah, Basham, yeah, because I think that although we've got people who are solid to replace him, such as Jagielka and Stearman, we would have to change. They're not going to be bombing on like him. <laughs> No, I mean we saw uh, you and I witnessed it first, and Jagielka playing right centre back against yeah. Sunderland win it, and it was, I mean, you know, in that game, as soon as it gets out to, I can't remember, I think Freeman was playing, uh, Kieran Freeman playing right wing back, and yeah, you're looking right, round, yeah. going, "Where's Where's Basham?" You know, p- coming on the outside, and Jagielka just stood on the halfway line. Yeah, so. yeah, this is what I mean. It's such a, I mean, I think O'Connell and Basham, it's going to be so hard to replace them, even as backup players. So, yeah, definitely interesting to see how we approach that one in January, which. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few people who kind of asked about that, really. Uh, so Harvey Bell, three players you're keen for us to go for in January, and three players you think we could see leave. A few others had similar. Ron Justice says, uh, will we be with the tried and tested something to prove mantra, uh, or will will we look at uh, more players from Europe, I suppose? So, yeah, this is interesting. I, I sort of don't want to throw names out here and, and look like an idiot because I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert football scout or anything like that. But some names that uh, are quite interesting, like they've been thrown about quite a bit. Um, Jared Bowen of Hull, uh, Eberici Eze of QPR as well. Now, I, I really like those players. And Ben Rahm is someone of, uh, of Brentford who's someone yeah. I'd... I would love us to sign every time and I see him. And Watkins one obviously mentioned a lot as well, isn't he, at the moment? Yeah, but the thing is, with those players, for various reasons, I mean, and, and this kind of comes, it leads it into a bit of a discussion about a, a, approach, I suppose, in the transfer window. I mean, are we still going to kind of dip our toe in the championship? Because, I mean, you could say that, uh, and I'm certainly not writing off our new signings because hardly, they've not really played that much, but, you know, 
players like Robinson, McBurney, Freeman to a lesser extent, Osborne hasn't really had an opportunity. But you know, they, there isn't too much evidence to suggest they're like instantly Premier League ready. And so signing someone like Eze is, you know, is, is, is we're just going to hit the same kind of problem really. So yeah, yeah what, what was your kind of thinking? I, I agree with that. I think. If you'd have asked us this for in, well in pre-season, I think if we'd have said we're going to sign Ollie McBurney and Callum Robinson, people said yeah, brilliant. They've hmm. so far not worked out. I still think it's early days and everything, but it seems a bit risky to sort of go for Ollie Watkins or um, uh, the guy QPR Eze or whatever, hmm. uh, just because I don't. You know, it's, it's going to be a risk. Look how hard how hard they found it to jump up, and I think we'll be looking more in Europe personally. I mean, I, I hope so as well because I think it's obviously more bargains to get out of that as well. I think I remember when we were in the chat when we first got into the championship, and uh, while they said we've sort of exhausted League One now, we've signed all the best players hmm. from League One, which might have not been like strictly true, but you know, we'd obviously brought Lundstrom in, Ricky Holmes obviously didn't come off and stuff, and Ryan Leonard. I wonder if we're getting to that stage already in the Premier League with how well we started. Have, have we sort of sucked most of the affordable championship players, you know, the ones who are not going to go to Manchester United, Tottenham or whatever? I think affordable is a is an excellent point. I mean, Bowen's going to go for like 15, yeah. 20 million. Um, yeah, well, like, that's what I mean. I can imagine someone like him ending up at, well, before he before the, the sacking, but probably at Tottenham. But yeah. Yeah, very possible. I mean, and the other thing with Bowen is, is you know, he's kind of a, a right winger type player as well. I mean, you know, so you know, where does that fit into our team? You know, Callum Robinson was kind of signed to be that wide forward player as well. Same with Ben Rama, really. Yeah, but say Ben Rama exactly the same, isn't he? Yeah. Tricky number ten. So I mean, it's yeah. I, I honestly, um, and I, I don't want to pretend I have more kind of knowledge or insight into this than you know than than pretty much anyone to be honest, because I, I don't. I don't think I do. I have, I have no idea how we're going to approach January. I mean, yeah. you know, let's say we, I don't know, let's say we get another ten points. Just, just pluck a number off the top of my head before before the end of the year. So that put us on twenty seven points. And at that point, you'd, you'd have to say we're a very good bet to avoid relegation, and we'll be playing Premier League football again in the next season. So then, yeah, do we do we kind of push the boat out and sign a couple of people who can start immediately? Do we? Continue to look at the the championship and try and find players who you know might replace some of our players further down the line. I, I really, uh, I really don't know. Um, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how we approach it because hmm. I think in recent years we've had a bit of an idea. Like last year in in January, we sort of knew we were going to sign a striker. And it was probably going to be a long. Scott Hogan were mentioned for ages, weren't they? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Obviously, Medine came out of nowhere. We we knew we were going to get a bit of a backup for Duffy, but. We thought it'd be a Premiership loan or something. That's exactly. Obviously, now we can't get a Premiership loan, so it's, I think it's going to be really interesting. We are going to have to spend a little bit of money well, to I think we get, can get even one more. Oh wait, uh, yeah, because we've got Bessic and Henderson. Haven't we? Yeah, yeah, but two obviously, unless Bessie goes back, or we can get you can get one from abroad. You can get a loan player from abroad, so mm. that's I mean, obviously need... an option, but it's unlikely again. Find me the next Reese James. That's uh, that has to be the goal, <laughs> I think, because unfortunately he's playing for Chelsea too regularly. Otherwise, yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would have been what we mentioned actually pre-season, and you look at him now, and you're like, yeah, that'd yeah, be brilliant. Yeah. But exactly, if uh, you know, to come in and be be the next Chris Basham at right centre back, to be honest, is is what we want. Um, I mean, you know, generally across the team, I think we're fairly well covered in a lot of positions. I mean. 
left wing. You know, I mentioned Stevens, Osborne can fill in there. Norrington Davies mm. is absolutely tearing up League One. Yes, yeah, if you saw, yeah. uh, I'd like to see him come back in a way. I mean, maybe just for mm. cup games and something like that. But yeah, because I'd like to see Osborne. I've not actually seen Osborne play in midfield, which is his preferred position by all accounts. Mm. So it'd be interesting to bring him back and maybe in the cup games put Osborne in midfield. But yeah, my if I had to bet, my hunch would be that the areas we try and strengthen are centre back and right wing back because. Freeman uh, is, is kind of slipping out the frame a little bit, isn't it? It's a uh, yeah. obviously. Um, and I think we're okay at centre back in terms of cover. I mean, I think the, the first three are fantastic, as uh, you know, as, as the record kind of shows so far mm-hmm. this season. But I, I wonder if we will try and yeah get that next Chris Basham to go there, or you know, someone that can play instead of Jagielka. If he, yeah, uh, I, I think it, we can somehow get someone who can play both right and left hand side. That'd be, or, or even a right hand side and a and right wing back. That's what we're looking for, I think. Not necessarily a utility player, but you know, mm. someone who is uh, he can adapt for both. The next Reese James, basically. Basically, yeah, Reese James. <laughs> yeah, just get him on. Yeah, plus throw everything at him. <laughs> yeah, uh, three players you think we could see leave in January? I think. Well, as I said before, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Ravel Morrison. I won't be surprised at all if he left. Um, to mm. be honest, but I know people are saying he's having his own pre-season, isn't he? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and. I, if one of McBurney or Robinson left on loan, yeah, I really would, you know. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd be I'd stunned. Just think that if we bring another forward in for what, you know, obviously the, the the players that we're linked to at the moment are all forwards, and I think if one comes in, if the if the rumours are anywhere near true, surely one of them's got to go out. Mm, you, I don't know. You don't seem I'd, to be buying it. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I, I'd be surprised. I mean, it, it, won't, it certainly won't be the first time I've been surprised, uh, even in the last couple of seasons with United. But I don't know. I think uh, I, I can. I mean, do we? We're putting three strikers on the bench at the minute, aren't we? I yeah, think. we're putting three strikers on at the moment. Like, two, uh, two mm. obviously starting. So you need five strikers essentially. Yeah. Um, it's so, just. Yeah, I, 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 I do saying. think this is a difficult question because I think it depends on who we bring in. For instance, we bring in like a, a backup right wing back in. I imagine Kieran Freeman will be gone. So yeah. it just depends on who we bring in, I think. And I think that happened last... We obviously lost Leon Clark, didn't we, last January? Uh, they went on be- loan to Wigan, yeah. Yeah, because Hogan and uh, Medine came in. And I think it'll be something similar to that. I think if we bring someone mm. in for a certain position, then the next guy down the line will probably leave. Yeah, that'll be... It's interesting. That'll be quite revealing, I think, um, if we do that, uh, in terms of, I guess, what what the opinion is internally on those two players. But I, it, it would surprise me. Um Surely Clark is going to leave at some oh, point. Oh, I even completely forgot he would. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, because yeah, he's not in the... Well, he does have a squad number, does he? he does but have a squad. Clark... I honestly completely forgot about Leon Clark, <laughs> yeah. I could see Stearman going out just because he's, he's not going to get a game, and as I say, um, I think we will sign another centre-back. Is, uh, it, at the moment, I don't think we can afford to lose him, but yeah, one more sign in, in centre-half positions, and I think he has to go, really, just for him to get proper football. Yeah, I, I wonder if uh, Key and Brian will go out on loan. Um, yeah, and, yeah, he's another one I forgot about. <laughs> yeah, and, and potentially Freeman's time with United is coming to an end. Yeah, Freeman, Besic, and uh, and Morrison have played a combined thirty-one league minutes between them. So, mm. yeah, they're clearly very much on the fringes. Yeah. Um, all right, let's. Uh, do you want to do alternative man of the match just very quickly, actually, and then uh, then we can just wrap up these other ones as well. Yeah, I'm up for that. 
Cool, sounds good. So, Alternative Man of Match is brought to you by the Demblades fanzine, who are a sponsor of this pod. And yeah, the the fanzine shines a light on things that don't get the the mainstream attention that they deserve. So, obviously, there's no United game this week, so it's kind of a Alternative Man of the Week, I suppose. But who do you want to who do you want to put forward this week? I've gone for Jose Mourinho. <laughs> oh, mainly because uh, that I think that he. There are a lot of talk, obviously, as soon as like Tottenham sat the manager, people were saying, wow, he's going to go to Tottenham. And he accepted it that quick that it just stemmed everything. All the Wednesday fans getting excited, Wilder might leave. All our fans panicking again that Wilder might leave because there's another another club on the you know ready to roll. Uh, and I, yeah, so I'm going to go for Jose for accepting it that quick and putting everyone's mind at rest and not getting Wednesday fans excited. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, on a, on a related theme... Uh... I think I might have to nominate Sheffield Wednesday themselves this week for. I was, I was considering that, yeah. <laughs> for livening up an otherwise dull international break by, um, yeah, by, by being charged by the EFL for financial misconduct. For, I mean, I don't have all the all the figures and facts in front of me, but essentially selling their ground to uh, a company that didn't exist at the time of the sale allegedly taking place. So. Yeah, who who would have thought that the EFL would not just completely turn a blind eye to that one? So. I'd advise anyone to go on Owl's Talk and look at the I think it's about 108 pages thread of uh, <laughs> when when it, when it got announced because it's just incredible the head in the sand sort of they're on about like breaking away now and like forming an own league and trying to get clubs on that they, they just will not admit a lot of them any sort of wrongdoing. It's the league, you know. It's it's like that Simpsons thing. It's the children that are wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's uh, it, it's they just sort of like football's finished and just just like accept it. You you try to you know what I mean. You you try to do. Everyone knew what they were up to. Everybody. And yeah. you I mean you've cheated and you're mid table in the championship. Congrats! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they've provided a lot of uh, a lot of entertainment in an otherwise dull break. So I think, have, they have, I think they have to be the controversial winner of uh, our alternative man of the match during this break. Well uh, done, Wednesday. Me. The first yeah. one for a while, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, all right, so congratulations to Sheffield Wednesday, our dear neighbours, on winning alternative man of the match. Uh, some information about issue four, which is the final fanzine of the, the Demblades fanzine uh, coming out in this year. Sorry, when I say the final fanzine, I don't mean ever. I just mean this year. <laughs> um, uh, this is called the Sticker Book Edition. Um, and as the name implies, is inspired by the memory of wonky panini portraits and is a fresh take on Blades nostalgia. Um, it's available to pre-order now at demblades.co.uk. Uh, and I just want to emphasise that due to the large number of stickers and the amount of time it takes to create them and post them, there is a limited copies of the fanzine available. So once all the subscriber copies have been sent out, there's only going to be another 300 copies produced. So if you're just buying this as a one-off, uh, very limited run. Once they're gone, they're gone. So do head over to denblades.co.uk. Check that out. Pick it up. As always, it's a fantastic fanzine produced by United fans with great, you know, great content stuffed within those pages. And I very much can't wait to uh, can't wait to see it uh, in person myself. So, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on with some very quick ones. And we'll talk about Man United. Uh, Ollie F says, do you both still think we will dip into the bottom three at some stage this season? I don't know. Um, if we do, I'll be worried because it'll be an absolutely terrible run of form, won't it? Mm. <laughs> From this point, I mean, it could happen with the games over January, but I would be disappointed now if if that did happen. To be honest, 
Yeah, uh, kind of undenied on that one. Are we nine points clear? I think we're nine points clear. I, I always say ten with the goal difference and stuff, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say that we won't now, having said it uh, multiple times during the season. Yeah, I feel like say. I say it's that run of games in January. We are going to go on a run, and but I think there's that many teams sandwiched between us as well that it, it is going to take a, a pretty horrific run to go in the bottom three before that that run of fixtures comes up at least. Mm, you'd think so. Um, Richard Quans wants to know, what will Andrew do when the Columbia shirt magic wears off? What's the backup shirt? As long as we stay up in it, I think it's done its job. I think, True. I mean, I've, I've worn it for seven games, I've realised, and we've not lost any of them, which is insane in the Premier League, isn't it? So, as long as we stay up, I think it's a bit like Wilder in the fact that he loses a couple of games, you don't you don't want to sack him. So I'm not going to sack him off. <laughs> I'm not going to sack the Columbia shirt off until, unless we get relegated, and then I'll go to a, an island shirt. <laughs> nice. I've got a big question actually because you're I don't, you're not at the Man United game, are you? Are you working? Uh, no, I'm no, I'm not at the Man United game. No, I'm at a family thing, and then I've got I'm, I will be watching it, but. But will you be wearing the Columbia? Oh shirt? yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, that's okay. that's happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know if if you. I mean, what would you have? Would you wear it at work? If, if you uh, yeah, I'd probably wear it. Yeah, I'd probably wear it at work. Yeah, I probably wear it anywhere. It's, it's too important. I think <laughs> even if it like at a wedding, <laughs> my own <laughs> wedding. I'm not at a point. I'll wear the Columbia shirt. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep it on. And like I say, if he gets a few bad results, he's got to stick by it. I think. Yeah, I think so. Love it. Uh, all right, last one. Um, David Jones, uh, not the former Southampton and Sheffield Wednesday manager, I hope. I'm going to say it again, um, you can't. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah, you can't tell. I did Never not know. look into David Jones's Twitter profile to see if he has a lot of tweets about Southampton on there. Um, he wants to know, if we still look on course for mid-table come January, would you guys like to see us take the FA Cup seriously this season? Uh, given how other Premier League sides approach the competition, I'd argue we have a realistic chance of winning our first proper trophy in 95 years if we feel the full-strength side. If we're not in a relegation dogfight, then what's to lose? What do you reckon? I think it's too early, January, to say you're not going to be in a relegation dogfight. I think the worst mm. thing, personally, that we could do is sort of down, not down tools or such, but say, right, we're safe, let's go for it in court. I, I, I wouldn't. I think, it, I think January's way too early to say that you're safe. I think one. If you've got a better squad, yeah, go for it. But we know as well as anyone else that we're, we're not quite at it, are we? In terms of the squad level, in the players that can come in if there is a few injuries and things. So yeah. not for me, unfortunately. As much as I do love the FA Cup. Yeah, I feel I'm exactly the same, and I do sort of feel the lack of ambition here. But I think give me give me another season at least of uh, stability. I mean, I want us to. I want us to win games in the FA Cup, but not. Uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't want the. Um, you know, our best 11 playing no. in whoever we end up playing in the third round. I would also say I'm not sure I agree that we have a realistic chance of winning uh, it because I just think teams like Man City and Liverpool have insane depth, particularly Man City. I know they're not gonna, probably not going to win the Premier League now, but... Well, this is, I mean, if they go out of the Champions League, they might even go for that because if they don't win the, the Premier League as well, they're going to yeah. go for their fake up, aren't they? Well, this is what happens, isn't it? The big teams don't take it seriously until you know they're accidentally in the quarterfinals, and then suddenly they're like, "Oh wait, we're, we're knocked out of every other competition. Let's go all in on this one." I mean, yeah, look, to... this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Watford got to the final last year and didn't they? And then just got obliterated six 0 by City, and I just think the same will happen this year. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm good taking uh, taking a back seat on the FA Cup this year. Let's get let's get Wednesday away. That's what I want. Wednesday I don't away. want that. You see, don't because you? I think we've got everything to lose. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't agree because it's like if we lost a Wednesday in the FA Cup, we're like, well, 
Yeah, congratulations. We're going to go back to playing Premier League now. I don't know. Bye. No, I don't want that stress. I want someone, I don't know, just let's just go out to, I don't know, Southampton. <laughs> Away. <laughs> it's a boring 1-0 defeat or something. Yeah, it's, I'm trying to think who we always play in the FA Cup. Like it just seems like we always end up playing them. Every We've got Leicester, season. didn't we? Uh, oh, Leicester was a good one, yeah. yeah. Burton. We always seem to get knocked out of like the EFL trophy to Burton and stuff. Yeah, like <laughs> obviously Preston, Walsall of course. As well, Preston. they're another one that Walsall, yeah, Walsall, Preston. So yeah, it's probably yeah. probably coming our way. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up by talking about Manchester United this weekend. Thanks for everybody's uh, questions and suggestions and discussion points there. Very much enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the weekend. Uh, coming off an international break, we slayed, slayed that demon when we played Arsenal last time. And maybe we're going to benefit from another day's rest this time around, because obviously we don't play until 4.30 on the Sunday. What's, uh, what's your feelings about Man United at home? I, I mean, they've, they've sort of... I mean... <sighs> There's some argument that they've turned the corner, haven't they, a little bit? Uh, mm. In the sense that, obviously, they've got a decent result. They've played really well, by, only judging by the highlights against Brighton. But I, I don't know. I think I think we can definitely get them. I don't think the defence is good at all. And I think they've, they're really good on the brace. We've got to be careful of that. But, yeah, I'm fairly confident. What about you? Yeah, I was kind of surprised that, that attitude. Is that like a common among United fans on forums then Man United fans I should say that um, you know they've kind of turned that corner yeah well there's a bit of argument some people are saying it's just another false dawn other people are saying you know they, they're all sort of bigging this game up as this is going to show us whether we have turned the corner or whether it was mm. another false dawn last week against Brighton and then they were they defeated the win against Norwich they're all saying without actually really explaining these are the sort of uh, team that we end up losing against this, this sort of team, but they don't actually say what that sort of team is. So I'm not really sure, but apparently they do struggle against teams that let them have the ball, which I, I can see us doing. To yeah. I don't think we'll like sort of, I think it was a bit of an Arsenal sort of, you know, the way we set up a bit of an Arsenal performance where we'll try and get it. And, but maybe let them have the, the ball and, you know, sit deeper and sort of organized and everything like that. So, but what they say, someone said here, like any team that is solid and sits back always causes problems. Uh, we have absolutely no plan B. Another mm. one said a defensive block in midfield that's solid, that's scrapped for every ball. They will not allow us to dictate the game. This is where we we normally struggle. So it sort of sums us up a little bit, really. It, well, yeah, actually, it does. I think it, I think it's been really noticeable this season how we're we're kind of we're kind of good with teams having the ball. I think we still press when it's like smart to do so, but. Mm. If teams want to sort of knock it around at the back, we're kind of okay with them doing that, and then yeah. we just make it hard to pass it into midfield. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm slightly optimistic about this one. I mean, the Manu's sort of uh, underlying numbers are actually better than I thought. So, fourth most shots per game, um, although they do have the most shots outside the box, so they they shoot from everywhere. Um, fifth highest amount of shots from set pieces, uh, which is the same as Burnley. So, good set piece threat. They've had six penalties in 12 games, which was quite surprising. They've missed um, four, I think, of those as well. <laughs> so. no, no other side has taken more than three, and they've had six. Um, they're the most, second most fouled team in the league as well. So Daniel James is just winning free kicks left and right. Yeah, well, this is the, the thing that does sort of scare me a little bit about them is James, Marshall and Rashford. That is an unbelievably mm. explosive attack if they're on, you know, if they're on form. That, that is going to cause people problems, but... I don't know. I don't think we'll push forward that much and get. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I look at the rest of the team, like the midfield. They're all banging on about McTominay, who's obviously got a good future and stuff. But he's not someone I think. Oh God, how, how are we going to handle him? 
Yeah, me neither. Rashford is, is quietly having a very decent season. I don't feel like he's getting the sort of attention he possibly deserves. And yeah, six goals, three assists. I think it's a couple of penalties in there, and so maybe that's mm. uh, why, why people are. Well, I won't say talking him down, but maybe he's, you know, it's just. I don't, I don't feel like he's got much attention. Um, he has the ninth highest non penalty expected goals so far this season, uh, 19th for expected assists. So he's, he's easily their biggest attacking threat so far. And yeah, as you say, when you pair him with Marshall, who's kind of doing doing a lot better the last few weeks as well, that's, that is pretty potent. But yeah, like you say, I, I don't feel like with a kind of team that where they're going to be getting in behind us very much. So no, I'd be I disappointed think... if that happens like more than a few occasions. I mean, obviously, that yeah. happened. Pepe did it, didn't he, a couple of times for uh, for uh, yeah, for Arsenal in that game. But I would be disappointed because we have been so solid. They are, they're going to have chances. Obviously, they're they're obviously a really good side. But I still think we can get them. And look at that defense. Obviously, Aaron Maguire is a decent player and stuff. But they are still playing Ashley Young on the left hand side and uh, Wambasak is. Good player, obviously, but he's not really sort of hit his top form as he yet. Mm, Manchester and, uh, Lindelof always seems to have a mistake in him. Yeah, Fred's awful him. every time I see him. So, yeah, I think there's definitely places to exploit him. Yeah, and the the most commonly used formation is uh, four two three one, which means obviously four at the back, which is something that I very very much like seeing United play against yeah. because we, as we saw against Burnley, we saw against Spurs as well. Uh, we just kind of. We just feast on teams that play four at the back. So if they're going to do that again, then yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what we can potentially do. Um, I think yeah, they're good side. I think they're exciting. I don't, I don't want to play them down. They're, they're, they're yeah. going to finish above us this season, realistically. And they are a, a good side. They've got some incredibly skillful players, incredibly sort of fast players. But I don't know. I think it's sort of it's what you look at the, the teams, and it's sort of one of the games you think could play into our hands a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a game I think we can win for sure. I would say I put it just behind, uh, well, I should say a, a harder opponent than Arsenal, I think, because I really did fancy us against Arsenal, mm. um, but possibly not that much harder. No, I mean, I, mean I, I still take a point. I think a point will be I don't think people should be disappointed if we get a draw or anything like that. But Absolutely not. Well, I think we've, uh, I saw this earlier, credit to uh, Graphic House on S2 for us, for his memories of Man U thing. I think we've lost our last seven games against Man United. Um, a lot of which are in the cups, obviously. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, last seven games going back to nineteen ninety three have all been defeats against Man U. So we we do something against them. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Would think. Yeah, last time out, obviously our buddy Dean Hammond uh, with the most, which I forgot to mention actually, but one of the most inexplicable fouls by a United player in what was it like the ninetieth minute? You know, we were heading back to Bramall Lane for a replay. And for some reason, he just decides to fly into a two-footed challenge on the. Uh, you on forget about pie. this is how bad he was. There's so many things that he did that were awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did was... forget about that myself until you just brought it up. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was right up there. So yeah, one uh, one to very much look forward to. Uh, as I said, I think on the last one, I'd actually be a little bit disappointed if we lose to Man United. But I know. yeah, it's, uh, I won't be won't be that disappointed because clearly they're still a, a very good team. Um, but yeah, one that we could potentially beat. So all right, mate, let's. Uh, let's wrap it up there then uh, what have you got to plug oh, I'm going on Radio 5 live on um, Friday morning apparently doing a fan off with a Manchester United fan uh, I'm not entirely sure what it entails but I think it's just me having a go at a Man United fan for 30 seconds and him having a go at me for 30 seconds so it should be, it should be good fun but uh, yeah I'll, uh, it's very early though I'm not normally sort of not really I work afternoons you see so it's uh, 
a bit worried that if I start slurring my words, I'm not drunk, I'm just really tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what time are you going to be on? It's uh, quarter to nine, it's on Robbie Savage show. Um, and I've looked at a few things before, like I say, it's just a fan of, I think it's just like a bit of fun or anything. I don't think you're going to be getting much insight, but <laughs> could be oh. a laugh anyway. Definitely have to have to tune in for that one, and I presume you'll be able to listen again as well. So yeah, probably. Yeah, unless I blast it, well, blast it or then. something, and then. <laughs> yeah, well, you managed to get through an hour and a half of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, true. But like I say, it's pretty. You know, it's later on, so. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right, and people can read your stuff at roysviewfrom.com and at Panchero on Twitter. Correct. Right. Thank you. Yep. Beautiful. All right, mate. Enjoyed that. Thank you very much for your time. We'll Cheers, be back, uh, back next week talking about uh, actual football again. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So it seems like it's been a, it always seems longer every time, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, obviously, I was at the Spurs game, but the last home game is it's going to be what three weeks? I think. Yeah, well, I can't make. It. I've got this silly. Well, I shouldn't say this because my nan will be listening. But I've got some, <laughs> I've got some family things, so I'm not going to get to ground in time. So we're just, I'm just going to go to a pub with my dad with my Columbia shirt on. So, <laughs> nice. is, is your is your nan a regular listener of Blazeboard? Uh, yeah. Um, when she can work out how to press play on SoundCloud, anyway. So I was just like, <laughs> it's really hard. Like she'll say, "Oh, send me that podcast you do." All right, yeah. And then I'll, I'll send it her, and she goes, "You've you've sent me the internet." I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, so yeah, I'm yeah. If you're listening, hello. <laughs> bless yes thank you for listening if you are listening and thank you for everyone else who's listened to this episode and uh yeah we'll be back on uh i guess monday or tuesday next week we'll we'll fix fix up a time to talk about the game and yeah. uh yeah thanks very much buddy i'll uh, i'll speak to you later thank you very much cheers take it easy see you later